brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Win Big Podcast, episode 61. I'm your host, Katie Gowdy, and today I'm talking with Gillian McCollum, a food and body coach and yoga teacher. Gillian shared the details of how she knew she was ready to create her group coaching program, and we got into the nitty gritty of how she combines emails, blogging, and social media into an effective marketing strategy. We also talked, of course, about business books, great marketing advice, and what's making Gillian optimistic about her business right now. You can find links to everything mentioned and connect with Gillian in the show notes at thewhin.co slash podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by my Instagram MOT. This 20 point checklist will take you through all the most important things you need to get right in your Instagram marketing. Head to thewhin.co slash MOT to sign up for the free training and download the checklist. That's thewhin.co slash MOT, all in lowercase. Now, let's get into the episode. Hi, Gillian. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Katie. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm well. I'm really good. I'm, yeah, happy to be in 2021, I have to say. Um, and yeah, looking forward to the year ahead. So tell us a little bit about your business. What do you do? So I I work with women who suffer from disordered eating, chronic dieting, uh, body shame, negative body image, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was my history, and this is my this is my second career. So this is what I retrained in. Um, so I do that through coaching, one to one coaching workshops group coaching and I'm also a yoga teacher as well. Okay so you're working with women to help them improve their sort of relationship with food. Yeah food in their bodies yeah. Cool and so that was a, a personal journey for you what was your previous career and what made you kind of decide to switch into this? Yeah so my degree is in interior design. I was an interior designer for gosh, probably the best part of about 18 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I was always employed. So it wasn't, it was never my own business. So I guess, you know, it, it wasn't just a shift of um, career as such. It was a shift from being an employee, um, a, a director of quite a big business, actually, um, to being a one-man band self, or a one-woman band, self-employed. So um, this, the switch was, was both of those things. One, I was kind of becoming a bit dismayed with um, truthfully helping rich people design their homes. And, you know, it was, it gave me a really good life for that length of time. I learned loads about how to run a business, um, especially through the 2008 financial crash, how to move, you know, a, a company that was turning over millions of pounds through that time. Um, but ultimately I, yeah, while I was, 
being an interior designer for that whole length of time, I was really struggling with chronic dieting, body shame. And eventually when I started to heal from that, I wanted to help other people do it. So I retrained uh, to become a yoga teacher and to become a health coach. Um, and ultimately I just wanted to be my own boss. <laughs> Once I kind of became empowered, I suppose, I just decided that I don't want a boss anymore. I want to work for myself. That's cool. I had that feeling as well very strongly is that I don't like being told what to do by yeah. somebody else. And I yeah. would like to be in charge of my own time. Yeah, exactly. So how long ago did you make that transition then? So I, gosh, I, I qualified as a health coach in September 2018, which mm -hmm. I think was a year after I qualified as a yoga teacher. So I pretty much did my training while I was still employed. And then I got my first coaching client in September 2018. Yeah, so that's when I set up my business. Um, and my plan was actually to transition quite slowly and to work kind of to straddle both for a while, right? To like be, be employed and build my business on the side. And I really quickly became impatient once I got a taste for what I could potentially have. And, and I just wanted to go all in. So um, I was only, I only straddled both for four months and at Christmas, 2018, I quit um, and went solo from full-time from January, 2019. So yeah, that's like two, two full years now. Yeah. Yeah. I can see you from your face when you said that you quit at Christmas time, that that was a very positive decision for you in your life. Yeah. I you mean, remember, it was, it was hell it of a like? scary, but I think for me, I just got to the point, yes, I was excited about being my own boss and, and what my life could look like once I went all in. But I meanwhile got to the point where I just couldn't have a boss anymore. Like it just wasn't even possible to show up in a way that felt, in any way authentic yeah yeah it's um it's hard when you know this isn't where you want to be anymore to kind of put up with being there even even for a little while even when you know the end is in sight yeah it's almost like torturous to try and drag yourself through uh, those last few months yeah i did i felt and, and the thing is the company i was working for was great my boss was great as far as that was concerned you know it wasn't like i was in a, a difficult or a compromising situation at all. The environment was great. I just felt caged, you know, I mm -hmm. just felt caged. And even, even to the point when I would get up in the morning and I would leave the, the, leave my flat, like I would look at what I was wearing and even just putting my bag on my shoulder, I just felt like I was putting on a mask of somebody that I no longer was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my, like, in like deep down ferocious rejection of employment. Like it felt really like core to my being was that this isn't who I am anymore. Yeah. Centered around the fact that I had to be in the office. Mm -hmm. And I, I only had to be there by 10 a.m., right? We had flex flexible working. So 10 a.m. was like the cutoff, which isn't even early. Yeah. But the fact that every single day I had to claw my way out of my bed and into work clothes and onto a bus and into the office when my job was entirely on the internet yeah. could easily have been done from my house, but I wasn't allowed to work from home. Yeah. Oh. Just, ooh, ooh, it made me so mad. It's just like an assault on your autonomy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. 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 So you 
mentioned that you were working in the interior design business through the 2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the that experience prepared you for how crazy last year was? Ooh, and this gosh, year probably will be. That's a good question. Um, I, I have no doubt it did. Um, but the situation was really different. I, you know, I was employed, it was a much bigger machine. So it's uh, harder to be kind of nimble and flexible when there is, you know, this big, this big company, you know, we had about 60 odd employees um, to, to just myself, but yeah, I guess it did. I guess it, it, it gave me that um, grounding in how you have to, you have to be flexible. You have to p- be able to pivot. You have to um, respond to what's going on in the world. Um, yeah, and I think I did a fairly good job of that last year. Actually, I mean, considering that was my second full year as you know being self-employed, um, I kind of did astound myself as to when your back's against the wall it's kind of amazing what you can come up with Mm -hmm. so what did your business look like in 2019 and how is that different in 2020 yeah so when I began in 2018 when I was part-time I was just doing one-to-one coaching so and it was actually in person at the time Mm -hmm. I uh, rented a little room in a yoga studio from that September. So all my work was in person, one-to-one work. And then that was the case right through until the summer 2019. So pretty much that first year, um, I would, yeah, I would trot down to my little space where I had like designated times. I would meet my clients there in person. And then in the summer 2019, I was actually abroad at the time. I was in New York visiting friends and one of my friends is training to be a therapist and we were having the discussion about how important it is to actually see the person that you're working with and and have that work be in person and how it might be different if actually we conducted sessions over Zoom or even by phone. And I kind of decided it was almost like I just needed the permission, right? Because deep in my heart, I knew that one of the main reasons I wanted to be self-employed was because I wanted to be geographically independent. So I wanted everything to be online, even yoga eventually. So um, I took that decision kind of um, six to nine months before I guess it became essential that I did once we hit March 2020. So it really got me used to um, working remotely with clients one-to-one. Um, and this might sound really weird. It sounds weird to most people who are either a therapist or a counselor or a coach, but I would always give my clients the option between Zoom and phone. Every one of them chose phone, which is bizarre because like maybe you could argue at that point in time not all of us were so fay with zoom and now it just seems so commonplace but i actually don't think it's weird because given the uh given the issues that my clients have with regards body shame um and those really low feelings of self-worth and self-esteem i think actually it feels safer for people to be at home in their Mm. own environment and not being seen as they talk. Um, 
So, yeah, so that was a big transition, thankfully, in preparation for 2020. But then what I found at the beginning of 20, well, once we got into March, I had a few, I generally take on a couple of private clients uh, a month. And what I found was the clients that I had lined up for March and April to start working with me, because I work with women over a four month period, um, got really nervous about what was happening in the world and and kind of was like, I'm going to have to just press pause on this. Um, so I decided at that point in time, I'd always, from the very beginning, I'd always had in mind that I wanted to do a group coaching program. Truthfully, I never had the guts to do it. Um, but I'd already, once we got into March, I'd already sold out an in-person workshop that was scheduled for, I think it was this first Saturday after lockdown. Hmm. And of course that couldn't happen. And I also financially didn't want to refund everybody. And I also just felt like they've booked into this, they're struggling, they need help and I want to help them. So I delayed it. I didn't, it obviously didn't happen. And I changed it into a four week online workshop series because I felt like having people sat at a computer for the eight hours that we were supposed to be in person just wasn't a great idea. So I chopped it up into two hour segments and we did four weeks, two hours every Saturday morning. And that became the beginning of the group coaching program. I, I ran that twice, that four week series twice. And at the end of last year, October, November, I did my big eight week deep dive coaching program um, where I recorded over 10 hours of audio modules for people to work through in their own time. So would that have happened last year if the pandemic wasn't here? No, because I would still be I would still be sailing along with my one to one clients with this dream of doing a group coaching program, but probably never having the impetus to just go for it. And last year, I just felt like my back was against the wall. It's like, what do my clients need? And what the brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It really needed actually was community because we were all feeling so, I mean, people have food and body issues feel isolated anyway, but layer on a pandemic onto that and it was just crazy town, um, combined with a program that was financially more accessible than working one-to-one. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all came about. Yeah. Sorry for the long answer there, Katie. No, I love a long answer. The, the <laughs> less I have to speak during the podcast recording, the better as far as I'm concerned. People don't want to hear from me. What did it feel like? At the moment where you knew I'm ready now to make this deep dive eight week program, what did that, how did you know that it was time to do that? I knew because 
over the entire course of the time I'd been working with women, I started to make this big collage of post-it notes on my wall because what I felt like was with every woman, no matter how much their struggles were, you know, their own and unique to them, the same conversations were being had time and time again. And I would write the theme of those conversations on a post-it note and I would stick them up on my wall. And that patchwork quilt, it got bigger, but basically I would look at that every day. Every time I'd have a conversation, I knew it would fit into one of these post-it notes. And there came a point where I was just like, right, this this collection of post-it notes isn't growing anymore and then we're just repeating. And I need to get these conversations down recorded, not conversations with my clients, essentially conversation mm. with myself through audio and, and get it down and put it out into the world. So I guess I had an excuse while, while that, those themes were growing, right? When those post-it notes were growing, I kind of felt like, well, I don't have sight of the, the program yet. And once it kind of plateaued and I was just repeating these same conversations, it was kind of like, yeah, this is, this is the point. And, and also it was a goal. Like it was a goal of mine last year to do that group coaching, even before the pandemic. And I started working back, you know, at the summertime thinking, right, well, if it's an eight week program, I need a month to market it. I probably don't want to be running anything in December. When you work back, it was kind of like the end of the summer when I was like, if I don't do it now, it's not going to happen this year. Yeah, it's good to have those sort of deadlines one of the reasons why I like the sort of Christmas wind down is that it gives you a reason to divide time up and to put deadlines on things. Because I, one of the things I didn't like about being employed was being told I had to do a thing at a certain time. Um, and now in my own business, I find it quite hard to f- fix deadlines for myself because I'm like, well, I could could do it later, couldn't I? So, yeah. so I find that helpful, a helpful yeah. season. Yeah, I do too. Um, but I really like the, the the visual idea of the, do you still have the post-it notes on the wall in front of you? Could see you, you looked like you were looking at them. Just yeah, there. no, I actually, I took them, I took them down mainly because my cats jump up on my desk and start like clawing at them uh-huh. and they kind of lost their stick after a while. But um, when I was talking on Instagram, I think when I was kind of in the process of recording, I did like a little Instagram, like holding up all the post-its with just mm-hmm. these themes of like forgiveness and shame and compassion. I still have them in a drawer, but yeah, they've lost their stick. They've been up. That's another indication, I think, when the post-its start losing their stick, you know, they've been up there long enough and it's time to do something about yeah, it, right? They've, they've done their job. Yeah. I, I think the, as well as the, the nice visual of all the post-it notes on the wall, the idea that you you really knew and understood your clients and the woman that you were creating the program for because you'd spent the time with them as individuals and seen sort of the and you you saw the commonalities and the themes and you knew where it so then when you're creating the program you're not just creating something that you think sounds like a nice idea because yeah. you you know everything and you're the smart one who's making the coaching program but actually these are the real life experiences of women who I've worked with. And now I can help so many more people because I understand now all of the the kind of spider web of all the different things they're facing. Yeah. 
I mean, definitely that that was reassuring, but also too frustrating because when I were having these same, and it's not to say that it's, you know, the program, it's not like it's one uh, sort of one thing fits all. It's the conversations are nuanced, but they are, they're still based on the same themes. And what became really frustrating for me last year before I started doing any group work was having these same conversations with women who were thinking they were the only ones having these thoughts, these feelings, and these conversations with me. And actually what they didn't know, but I really wanted them to know, was that I was having the same conversations with women after women after women all day long. And if only they could meet one another, if only they knew that actually they are not broken or, um, you know, a freak or, you know, what, whatever stories they had, that it was so common to have these conversations, but we were just having them in isolation. So that was what was really cool about starting to do the group work, as nerve wracking as, as it was for all of us, was to actually come together and realize that these common themes we were all struggling with. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that having that that understanding, that really like deep understanding of the woman you work with, do you think that's now helped you with the marketing of the program and being able to communicate to people before they sign up how you can help them and to kind of put those messages across? Yeah, it has, because I think for me, I, when I think about trying to communicate my message through marketing, I can get really caught up in the kind of technical language, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the kind of, I, I guess the jargon, the lingo, the people in the um, food and body world talk about, but it's not necessarily the language that my clients use, right? Um, they use very shaming language. And part of my job when I work with them is actually to try and change that narrative. So what became quite clear, and, and I still struggle with it, honestly, is I know that that shaming language is what connects me to my clients, but I struggle using the shaming language because I know that's part of the cycle. It's part of what's keeping them stuck. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this fight between like not wanting to buy into that language, but I know it's the language that connects with the people that I work with. Yeah. So I, I think I'm I think I'm probably getting to the point where I'm at peace with that now because I'm using it to connect. And then once we start working together, we can slowly try to identify why that language isn't helpful and start to move away from it. I find that that not not the exact same thing in my business because I teach marketing and I don't don't go on such a sort of personal journey with my clients but I find it difficult sometimes to remember that their words and their their ideas about their business and about their marketing and about getting into online marketing are all it's all quite new to them a lot of the time. And so things which feel very familiar and very old hat and very like the normal way to say this they're like, what? what is that, Katie? What are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, yeah. crap. Yeah, sorry. Right. Let's go back four steps and I'll yeah. explain everything. So yeah, totally. trying to remember when I was brand new in business and I didn't know any of this stuff, 
how would I have wanted this to be explained to me so I could understand yeah. it? But yeah, it's that getting into the mindset of where your customers are at mm-hmm. so that you can connect with them, like you're saying, yeah, and then help them to move towards a place that is where they want to be mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What kind of tools and channels are you using to do the connecting? So you mentioned earlier on, I think Instagram, um, but are yeah. you on other platforms as well? Yeah, I feel like the last two years has really been a, about trial and error and figuring out, I don't have it all figured out, but I know a lot more now about what uh, feels easy for me because ultimately that's how I'm more likely to show up, right? When it's easy. Um, and I've actually had a blog since I've pretty much since I started my business, but sitting down to write a blog is a chore for me nine out of 10 times. It, it doesn't, uh, I don't write naturally. And what I've really realized is I speak a whole lot more naturally and easily than I do write. So hence why my group coaching program was pretty much all audios Mm -hmm. other than the the live component. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of been, well, how do I get over, how do I get over myself and actually show up in video online a lot more? And I have started to, when you scroll back my Instagram, it was all very picture perfect. The graphics were all very beautifully choreographed and it was all laid out, you know, like on a lovely grid. Um, but I wasn't really, I looked at it and I thought, yeah, it looks lovely, but like you wouldn't know who I am from that. You wouldn't really connect with me. You maybe connect with my message, but not necessarily me. So I've been, I have been trying to show up a lot more on video um, and actually podcasts is what I love doing mm-hmm. more than anything. So hence why I'm here today, because as you can tell, I like to talk. Um, it's and good. It just, it's just pretty easy for me. So that's been that's not only been a big learning for me, but then it's it's sort of once I realized that it's like, right, how do I embrace that part and 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 sort of run with it more? So mm-hmm. that's what that's one of my goals this year. Yeah. I um did a podcast about this last year, but I also found blogging to be torturous, even though I like writing, I like communicating. I've always been a reasonably good writer. But just sitting down and making myself do it felt like it was like a thing that my boss was telling me to do. And it was never something that I was excited about. Whereas podcasting is like, I get to spend all day talking to people. This is the best thing ever. Yeah. So I definitely would recommend. Yeah, I know. I know. I it's it's maybe in my mind for the future because I do love it. But I think um, I love more so being a guest because I get to do the talking and I think it's quite hard like that. When I first became a coach, that was the hardest part, right? The the listening part and, sh- mm. and shutting up part. So I don't know if I'd be a good host. Well, I have a tip for you on that front then. This podcast is 50-50. So every oh. alternate episode is me on my own talking, yeah. which means then when it's a guest episode, I don't mind shutting up because I get my turn next week. It's a good tip. So it kind of, I don't feel the need to sit here and make sure everyone knows how smart and good at marketing I am on the guest (laughs) episodes because I have my own episodes to shine. That's a good tip. I'll use that. Thanks. Um, So you you do a bit of blogging, you do a bit of Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have like an email newsletter? 
Yeah. Yeah, I do. And that, that's kind of, that's essentially my blog. That's what I, like, I put a copy of my blog blog on my website, but essentially that's what I email out. And last year, particularly, and the year before, actually, I was pretty good at sending one out every week, maybe even every fortnight. But um, yeah, the more clear it became to me that talking's more my thing, I, I kind of lost my way a bit with writing. Unless, I have to say, unless it's something that I feel really, um, I don't know, something that comes really spontaneous to me. So my last blog, I think, that I sent out at the end of last year, so it's my birthday in December, and I sent one out and it was all sort of reflections around my birthday and um, how differently my life looks now to when it did when I was sort of struggling with food and body issues. And it, it was one of the few blogs that just wasn't a chore. It wrote itself, quite honestly. I- if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. I just opened my laptop and I wrote it in a one-hour, like virtually didn't even have to edit it, sent it. And those are the ones that I get the best feedback on. Mm. Those are the ones that people reply to me. And it's just such an interesting process. Like the harder I try at blogging, like I feel like the less it connects with people, but the more it just writes itself. And, And also the more vulnerable I am, I've noticed, which is really hard for me coming from a fairly corporate background where it's kind of not the done thing to say that you're not perfect and you're still learning. Um, I've had to work really, really hard at admitting that I don't know it all and I'm still learning and showing that public vulnerability for me is so, is still so uncomfortable, but I'm rewarded. The more I do it, the more I seem to connect with people. So yeah, it's it's a learning curve for sure. Yeah, I think for some businesses in particular, um, it's important to have that vulnerability because you're asking your clients to be vulnerable with you. Mm-hmm. And so that, that building of trust, you know, there's that need to sort of reach out an olive branch and say, I know that you're vulnerable and I am too. And I, and I, because I know how you feel, I will protect you 
and you'll be okay with me because I too have flaws and I'm squishy and vulnerable. Yeah. 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 And, and I think I always had that as a, like as a human, but in a professional context, as I say, like particularly in the interior design industry, there's not a whole lot of space for imperfection. There's no, not a whole lot of space for not being the expert, right? You kind of pitch yourself as being the expert. Um, so then moving into a place of, of kind of, I might be two or three steps ahead of you on my healing journey, but I'm still not the expert of your body and your experience is a really new thing for me. And, and particularly when that translates into marketing, it's um, I have to catch myself a lot because I still have this inbuilt thing of like wanting to come across as being the expert, which means like spouting off tons of statistics. It's so boring. No one cares. And it completely disconnects me from people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you find then the, the kind of the sales part, right? So you, you have your, your personal stories, you're, you're, you're pouring out of these emotions and this, this connection. How do you go from that initial like sort of spark of relationship to I can help you, please pay me? Like, because mm-hmm. to me, that's a really hard transition, particularly yeah. in something that's so emotional as what you are doing to say, yeah. I would like you to give me money ex- in exchange for this feeling thing that we're doing. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. It, it, it is. And and you, you'll hear that a lot from yoga teachers as well, not just coaches that work, you know, in this really emotive space, as you say. But I think a lot of yoga teachers have this um feeling of like what we do is for the greater good and and it's really selfish to be charging money for it i i actually don't feel that way i think probably because i've spent so much money training um and being coached and in therapy like i i invest so much money in myself that i just feel like what do you mean you don't spend money on yourself on like personal growth and healing? Like, it just seems so like, shouldn't we all be doing this? And also you're right too, in a certain sense, like what I find with my friends in the States and in Canada and and probably Australia as well, um, they, because they don't have the NHS, the way that they view healing and the way that they view um, sort of overcoming these issues um, is something that we shouldn't have to pay for, right? Um, whereas the model in the States is, well, you pay for everything. So there's a different mentality around sort of spending that money on yourself. And it is kind of ironic because I work with women with low self-esteem and low self-worth. So those people are going to be the least likely to spend money on themselves, right? So it's, it's, mm. it, it, it is, it's really um, tricky that way to actually get women to the point where they feel empowered enough Mm-hmm. to spend the money on themselves to take that journey um, further. I guess that that itself, that choosing to spend money on myself yeah. is part of the healing journey. Yeah, but yes. I guess probably not the very first step. So you have to get people from where they are through step one and maybe even step two. And yeah. then step three is yeah. now, I, now I feel comfortable paying you. So that must be really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you about kind of 
what I think I do to, to kind of bridge that gap. But I just want to mention that point, exactly what you said there, like part of the healing is spending the money on yourself. And I know that so much to be true because on every group coaching program I did last year, I offered a, a space on the program pro bono to someone who was in financial hardship. And there is no question the people that paid money got better results. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I know that's a controversial thing to say, but I feel like when it's handed to you on a plate, you're going to take it, particularly when you're in financial hardship. But actually, if you are really, really struggling, and even if you don't have the money, but somehow you find it, my God, you're going to show up and you're going to do the work. It, it does feel very different. Um, but how I kind of get people to that point, I think, is is probably mostly through my uh, email marketing. I have to say, historically, that's where I tend to do more kind of long format um, writing compared to what you would maybe see on Instagram or Facebook, which I, I rarely use these days. Um so yeah, that's, and, and I think just showing up consistently there, which recently I haven't been doing um, because I've been toying more with video, but um, yeah, just showing up and kind of, particularly what I do, which is in an, what I, what we call the non-diet or I call myself the an, an anti-diet health coach, which is very countercultural. There is a lot of I don't want to say education, although I suppose it is, but there is a lot of like introducing and informing clients about this other way of thinking around food and body is a really different countercultural concept. So I think showing up and sort of educating around that piece and building trust um, is what bridges that gap, I mm-hmm. I, I hope. So if, if the hard work, as it were, is done on the email newsletter but Instagram is your main way of reaching out to people. How do you get people from your Instagram follower list onto your email newsletter list? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I actually don't, I actually don't know. I mean, I show up on Instagram when I am um, launching my group coaching program or if I'm launching, I'm just in the process of a six-week yoga series. So I actually have two email lists. I have a yoga email list and I have a intuitive eating and body acceptance email list, although I think most people are actually on both. Um, but I guess it's when I'm, yeah, when, it, when I'm launching those programs, I need to get people to come over onto my website and my website actually has a, um, uh, a download that captures, e- that's where I ca- capture emails, um, to get people onto my list. Um, and it's five steps to ending or overcoming binge eating essentially Mm -hmm. so that's how I get people onto my email list um so I I would say my website is quite a good a good capture of that I suppose but um yeah I thanks for thanks for kind of mentioning that because I actually if I'm truthfully honest I don't really necessarily see as Instagram as somewhere that I kind of um translate a lot of business um, if that makes sense, I, I, I feel like the people who are really serious followers or people who are seriously interested in what it is that I do, um, they're going to go onto my website and go onto my email list. And that's where I talk to people on a much more, much deeper level than I ever do on social media. Mm. Social media for me is still a bit of fun, um, I suppose, 
And um, it is where I sell, but less and less. So this year, I don't think I'm going to be, probably I'm not going to be actually selling through social media. I'm not going to be mentioning any launches or anything like that. Maybe in the passing, but it's not going to be a hard sell on social media. That I discovered this year or last year, I should say, didn't sit well with me. Um, It sits a whole lot better and is a lot more successful for me through my email list. Okay. So the social media is more about introducing yourself to people and letting them know that you have a website full of resources. Yeah. If they're interested. And everything on the website, I guess, is free. Yeah. So they can go and kind of absorb that. They can sign up for the download. They get on the email newsletter. And that's their kind of, that's almost part of their sort of first step into into addressing and and starting to understand a little bit better. Yeah. And then I have an automation series of about five or six emails once they they download, where they get to know me a bit more. And are those salesy or chatty or full of useful information? There's... So there's because the download is um, on binge eating, there's two of those. I think there's five emails in total. One of them is the introduction with the download. And the second one is a is a really deep dive into the first half of binge eating. So the physical deprivation part. Um, And that that's that's a real education piece, that one. The third one is like me, my story. So getting to know me a bit more. The fourth one is the second half of that education piece, which is the psychological restriction part. And then the fifth part is the sales email of um, introducing whatever I've got going on. So if I'm launching my group coaching program, it will be that. If it's not, it's introducing my private coaching program. Um and then throughout, kind of scattered throughout all those emails, there is the invitation to join me on Instagram. Okay. Just so that people, I show up on Instagram probably more regularly than I do on my email list. So it's for people just to get to know me as a person, I think a bit more mm-hmm. through social media. Yeah. And how, getting right into the details here, how frequently do those five emails go out? Are they every day or are they a couple every of days two day, apart? Yeah, every two, two days. days. That's yeah. a, that's what mine are on as well for that welcome sequence. So yeah. interesting to hear. I know when I sign up to someone's email list and I get one every day, it feels too overwhelming because the amount you know I I probably won't have the time to read their first email within the twenty four hours before the second one comes through. Once I have like four unopened emails from them, I start to feel a bit attacked. Yeah, yeah, you start to feel like they haven't judged well who you are and your availability so it's maybe not a good match yeah yeah Yeah. um and i think because of what you're writing to people about as well like they presumably need a little bit of time to think on that and to process it before they're going to be able to really absorb the next bit yeah definitely on those two kind of more educational pieces um not just because of the depth and the length of the email but also like the concept as i say is countercultural. it's probably stuff that you know, they've never really heard someone talk about before. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know when I have sessions with my counsellor or when I'm reading a book that's on something kind of meaty and personal development-y, I have to spend a good three days thinking about the thing before I'm ready to think about the next thing. Yeah, Um, definitely. So yeah, it's good to good to space things out when it's something that's so personal and so kind of self self self-involved is not quite the right 
word for it, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you have to kind of self-inquire, you have to self-reflect, you have mm. to do that. Reflective. Kind of, yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. So what sort of marketing activities do you have planned over the next week then? So that's sort of your, your general setup, but let's go give us a snapshot of what a week yeah, in the life so of I'm your gonna marketing. Be, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to be writing a blog this, this week. Um, I actually have another podcast um, planned for this week. I'm speaking to a Canadian podcaster on Wednesday, um, which is more uh, she has a podcast about uh, that she connects with other yoga teachers, but I, I actually see my my yoga so interconnected with um, what I do with my coaching. And I actually coach a lot of yoga teachers because a lot of yoga teachers struggle with food and body issues. So the t- the two you know do seem very connected to me. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to do that. I met her last year online, um, so we're going to do that. And then um, and then actually the rest of the time in between client sessions I'm going to be my kind of my goals for this year is to um the what I was talking to you about my binge eating um download that I currently have my website I actually want to turn that into a three or a four part video training series Mm. um so really what we were talking about today, taking the written part, which I've now identified isn't necessarily my strong suit or the, or the place where I think I can let my personality shine and, and, and really allow people to get to know me. So taking that same content, but taking it from a written format into a video format. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's what I'm going to start planning. I'm not, I won't be shooting it this week, but I'm going to start planning it this week. It sounds cool. And when that mini series is, that mini course is finished, will you then give people access to the the PDF download and to the mini course so they can absorb it in the way that works for them? Or will you, are you trying to find customers who like the video and the audio? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think probably because, because that download has been around for probably... I want to say maybe more, even more than a year now, it's really Mm -hmm. quite old. So I don't necessarily think the content's old, but people have, you know, people have, will have seen it around. So um, I'll probably ditch the PDF version and make the first video of the training series available to download. And then the second, third, fourth, if there are four, will follow on through, yeah, through the emails. So some of those sort of five welcome emails will get replaced by here's the next part of your or yeah. or added to by here's yeah. the next part of your free mini course yeah yeah cool. yeah what that, do you think um, of that seen as i'm just going to use your expertise well of here. course <laughs> um I, so i i think it's a great idea because you're if if the delivery right of your of your service is face to face or audio or they're hearing you speak nearly everybody speaks differently than how they write because we're just trained to. So so for them to be able to to experience the way you're actually going to teach them and work with them and coach them is important as that sort of like test drive experience. Yeah. Otherwise and and to to get to know the voice and the friendly face and the I I like to put my face on my Instagram feed because I like people to feel like they know me. So I think that the video training has that element in it as well, far more than just putting your sort of professional headshot as part of the PDF download. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's so weird because my um, my husband's a photographer. He has a degree in photography and film. And I don't use his expertise. Like I real like people pay a fortune and I really like, I really, really should 
lean on his expertise a lot more because like he knows all about the lighting and all the technical stuff, but it somehow feels kind of like, this is mine. I want to do it on my own, Mm. you know, like I want it to do it my way, even though I think it'd probably be a lot more successful if you were involved. So the perfect Instagram husband. Yeah, I know. I know. Follow you around and take pictures of you posing. Yeah, but I'm kind of like, I kind of squirm at that. I kind of like feel like, oh, that isn't really how I want to be spending my time. But you're right. It is essential like to kind of put ourselves out in that way where people can really get to know us. Um, Mm. Yeah. And the, the stuff that you do yourself will always feel more probably like you than when you're collaborating and you're being seen mm. through his eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's that element to it as well. Yeah. yeah, you're making me feel better about going out alone then. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> um, cool, we've got a few minutes before we wrap up. Um, I would love to hear about the business books that you've been reading recently um, and yeah. what kind of impact they've had on you. Yeah, so I um, have been, over the holidays, I read, um, is it Jen Sincero's um, book, How to, I'm, I'm forgetting the title here, but I think it's How to Be a Badass with Money or you, something. You like are that. a badass at making money. You are, a, uh, I am a badass at making money. So um, I read that over the holidays. I thought that was really interesting, just sort of, um, I, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about the relationship with money and their money stories and how that impacts. And um, I thought that was something that I really needed to uh, look at and address. I was very mindful that that was something that I definitely was not looking at for the first two years in business. Um, so yeah, I read that over the the holidays and felt, um, definitely felt empowered by it. Felt like it was, it was reassuring. I think again, what really spoke to me was you don't have to have it all figured out. And as a solo business person, you know, the buck stops with you. Like you're, unless you put yourself out there and, you know, I I sent you some um, kind of quotes that I, in terms of the best advice that I'd ever been given Mm. by anyone. And they're really cheesy, but they're really the ones that speak most to me because I feel like I'm a recovering perfectionist and that is done is better than perfect Mm -hmm. and feel the fear and do it anyway. Those really speak to me because I can really get caught up in questioning and overthinking. And what Jen's book really showed me was, you know, you've you, you've just got to get out there and do what you think, take the next step and do what you think is right. And you cannot think too big about things, right? Like I have a tendency to sometimes think quite small. Um, she's very big picture, very much like, you know, you can, you can make as much money as you like and it's not, it doesn't have to be vulgar. It can be about actually being the change that you want to see in the world. So that was really helpful. Um, and I'm just about to start Seth Godin's The Practice, which okay. was recommended to me. What is The Practice about? I don't actually know. I, I think it's, I think it's about, I think it's about, um, the consistency of showing up and particularly for creative people. So I think this is going to speak to me both in my coaching and my uh, yoga teaching, because what I coach around, which is primarily intuitive eating, 
And then on the yoga side, the practice of yoga, it really is about being comfortable with there not necessarily being a destination or a goal, but just showing up and practicing for the sake of practicing, getting Mm. to, to know yourself better, be in relationship with yourself. So the title, the practice really, um, spoke to me because I think so much of what has helped me both in business and personally is just about showing up and doing the work and not necessarily being so attached to the outcomes. Mm-hmm. I like I like the use of the phrase practice, well the word practice in yoga and in other situations because there's it's got that dual meaning right of practicing being the thing you do to prepare and it doesn't matter that much it's you just having a go and there's no pressure but then also the sort of ritual element of like this is a sacred practice as it were and I like the sort of two combined meanings of that when I'm doing yoga I like to remember it I don't have to be perfect because I'm just Mm -hmm. practicing Mm -hmm. yeah Um, exactly so I like both of those yeah I liked your your other piece of marketing advice as well that you put down uh no one can do what you do because no one else is you yeah and what you're doing is like unique to you and so yeah yeah that also helps me with the um kind of perfectionism part because I can I can what what's actually really helped me when I first started my business I followed everyone who did anything remotely similar to me on social media because I wanted to kind of see what they were doing and learn from them and actually what I've learned last year it was a bit of an experiment at first I wasn't sure if I would start to feel like the fear of missing out and starting to feel kind of quite anxious, but I very intentionally like deleted or blocked or unfollowed anyone that actually was doing something really, really similar to me because I just would get caught up in that comparison. Um, So detaching myself from that, learning to trust myself and knowing that even if someone else is coaching around exactly the same thing as me or teaching yoga in exactly the same way, it's never going to be exactly the same, right? It's never going to be the way that I would do it Um, because there's always going to be someone out there who's you know, apparently doing it better or got a bigger business or a more successful business or whatever. And um, if you, I've, I've just noticed with myself that if I get too caught up in following that and being absorbed in that, that I become more paralyzed and I, so much more self-doubt starts to creep in. So um, I'm just currently trying to create some distance there and trust in myself and knowing that my way might not be the same way, but my way is my way. And people, I, I know every coach I've ever worked with, they've not been the best at what they've done. They don't have the biggest business. They don't have the biggest following, but it's the person that I connect with. It's their way, the way that they do it, that is interesting to me. So I am, I'm always just turning that logic on myself and thinking, you know, people want to work with me because of me, not necessarily all the trappings that go with it. Mm. Yeah, that's really important to remember. Um, So tell me, just as we finish up here, what makes you optimistic about the future of your business right now? Um, well, we're, we've got 2020 behind us. I think that's a good start. Um, although, you know, yeah, things necessarily aren't massively different as we speak right now in January 21. But um, I'm optimistic because I think 
in the realms of where I work with women around uh, food and body issues, it's a huge, huge issue. The, the diet industry right now is estimated over $60 billion a year is what people spend on dieting, on um, trying to overcome this feeling of unworthiness inside by trying to change their external self, um, which is a road I pursued for a long, long time. And I feel like there's a slow change in the tide. People are realizing actually that diets don't work and that um, lack of self-worth or lack of fulfillment is an inside job. And um, yeah, I'm just really, really happy to be putting that alternative message out there. And I think women are, are waking up to that. And I think we need to wake up to that. You know, it's, 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 it's a subject that's way beyond our own individual struggles, but I think collectively as women, we can be a lot more empowered um, together if we are not preoccupied with food and body. So I think it's, I'm, I feel positive because I feel like women are, are waking up to this Um and slowly we are getting to a stage in the UK where we are willing to invest in ourselves. Yeah, that's brilliant. Gillian, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. You too, Katie. Thanks for having me. Bye. I think that was the perfect start to our 2021 interview series. I loved chatting with Gillian and was so interested to learn more about her business and marketing. All the books and other resources mentioned are listed in the show notes at thewhin.co slash podcast. This has been episode 61 of the Whin Big Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.